This is what you have been waiting for. Let's do right it. Right here. Let's go. You're now tuned in to the Tell Me About Yourself podcast with Holly Murchison. Every week, I connect with artists, entrepreneurs, and creatives around the world who are defining themselves and their successes on their own terms. We chop it up about challenges, triumphs, and everything in between to give you an inside look at unconventional paths for adding value to the culture. Y'all ready to level up? Let's go. We got Tanya Rapley on the show this go round. Thank you for coming through, Tanya. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting settled. I am um, releasing some of that pent-up East Coast energy <laughs> and settling in to California wonderfully and uh, optimistic. So I'm good. How long have you? How long have you been in LA now? We're coming up on our first week, um, and it's it's already proven to be a good decision. So I mean, anybody if. And this is just a message for anybody who's looking to make a shift because they feel like where they are isn't serving them anymore. Usually you feel that for a reason and you should just try it out. At least try it out because you'll always wonder what would have happened if I wouldn't have shifted my surroundings and and environment. Word. Always listen to that voice. And we'll talk about that because I know you've made a lot of shifts in your life and in your career. So I'll be listening. Listen, (laughs) stay tuned in all the way. So tell me a little bit about yourself and and what you're up to in the world. I am a financial educator, uh, consultant, freelance writer, overall change agent. My goal is to, I guess, the forefront goal is to empower people financially and help them make better financial decisions. But the ultimate goal is to help individuals own their power. And I think that you know, finances impact a lot of our decisions, whether it's remaining in a workplace situation, a relationship that doesn't serve us um, and is siphoning our power away from us, or whether it's just not being able to live your best life. And so uh, my goal is to help people break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and become financially free so they can do more of what they love and be who they were created to be. I love that. How'd you get started on that journey? Because finance is a big, a big arena. This life is what (laughs) chose me. Um, Finance, I mean, finance really did choose me. And it was because it was out of necessity. I realized that I had a lot of financial baggage and done a lot of financial damage in my early 20s that were preventing me from living life in my 30s uh, the way I wanted to live. And in order for me to be the person who I, you know, said and planned to be, I needed to take control of my finances so that I could adult properly and live in the places I wanted to live in and um, own the things that I wanted to own. Even before when I started my financial journey, it was credit based. Um, now it's it's money and savings based, and really figuring out ways to create um, more income and so that I can continue to pay down debt as well as continue to save for the things that matter to me. Um, But it started because of my own journey. And then I realized that there weren't a lot of resources out there of women of color who understood the millennial woman of color when it came to personal finance and our unique situations. And so I was like, let me just create this platform. Let me create a place for them to go. And it has blossomed into a movement. What were you doing before you made that leap? I have done a lot of things. It's so funny. (laughs) I mean, jobs are mucket. Like I, I... Um, in college, I started my social change work, um, early on because I did, I worked on city plans for the city of Miami and a lot of the different municipalities around Miami putting together focus groups 
and what we call them charrettes, putting together these charrettes and finding out more about the communities we were working in and creating plans for. But then after that, I went to work for Lowe's, home improvement stores as an inventory um, planner and supervised like the Elmer's Blue accounts at Lowe's improvement stores across the country. From there, I went on um, to be a buyer for a seafood company. Then I got to New York. I was like, I don't want to do none of that. Yeah. <laughs> Got to New York, didn't want to do none of that. Actually, I went. I moved to New York in 2008 with a music blog. I wanted to be a music supervisor. That was my dream job. Mm. My father was a, was a DJ growing up, so music was a big part of my childhood. And so I wanted to move to New York. And I, the music that you hear on, like, Being Mary Jane or um, these MTV shows, I wanted to be the person to curate the sounds of that moment. Mm. And that didn't work out. But the blog gave me a lot of social media um, experience. And I ended up becoming a social media manager for Six Flags for a few months, got laid off from that job. So I was like, I have this degree in public administration. Let me just go help people. So that's when I went to work at the YWCA and that's when everything changed. And I returned back to my public service change agent roots. And I feel like that was, that was the impetus that gave birth to my fab finance. Um, for many reasons, it's because one of my mentors at that role, um, was a woman named Linda Sarsour, who's actually one of the organizers of the Women's March. Um, she's a prominent Muslim-American woman who is very vocal, very passionate, and I worked underneath her. And she kind of helped me mold my own voice as a change agent in, in my way. Moving and grooving out here. How do you choose your mentors? I know sometimes we just, they just, it aligns, the universe just syncs it up, but... Um, yeah, I think sometimes it's intentional. So I've intentionally sought out mentors. One of my other mentors, um, Akila, she is amazing. Um, she owns a, t- a talent and um, employment firm for in New York City. She does a lot of work with the school system. Um, and I kind of just chose her because I saw that she knew something about business that I didn't. And, you know, just ask her. But other times it can be almost accidental. And you don't even realize that someone is mentoring you. And then you're in that relationship. And you're like, oh, I'm so Linda, Linda was accidental. Like I was working under her. And then she gave me, she just taught me so much about the work um, and how to carry yourself and doing the work. And I learned a lot about her and a lot, a lot from her. So some of them are intentional. Some, some will be very like straightforward. This is a mentorship relationship. And then some of them will be informal. And you'll be like, wait, I learned so much from this person. You know, you mentored me, right? So it, <laughs> it, I think sometimes you choose them. Sometimes the circumstance chooses you. Um, it just depends. I think any relation, it doesn't have to be the formal relationship. I think a lot of people get stuck in that and be like, well, if you don't have time to meet with me two times a week and to <laughs> respond to my email questions, then I don't think this is a mentorship. Like get what you can out of that person. You know, whatever knowledge they're willing to lend to you, they can mentor you on the fly. They can mentor you via text message. Right. Get what you can from that person and also give what you can. So I know you mentioned you have multiple relationships. How do you cultivate those and keep them strong so you're not just like hollering at a mentor when you need something? Yeah, treating people well, honoring them, honoring their process, being there for support when they need it. Um, Even my mentors, there are certain things like Akilah, there's things she can learn from me um, with social media and like we sat down, I was like, Akilah, you could be doing this on Twitter. You could be getting this much more exposure on Twitter and really sitting down and lending whatever skill sets I have to them. Because a lot of us think we don't have anything to give, but you actually do. There's something you know how to do that they probably don't know how to do. 
And so just making myself available in that regard, if I need to just show up at an event and support, you need me to put some, some napkins on some tables for you. Like I'll, I'll come <laughs> I got through you. and do it. Like I'll come through and do it. Giving back wherever it makes sense, but also support because I know that you probably recognize this, that this journey, entrepreneurship and, you know, breaking ceilings, it can be lonely work or it can be isolating. And mm-hmm. sometimes they just need someone to talk to about what they're going through. So being that person for my mentor to talk to about, girl, I don't even know what we're going to do. So-and-so payroll might be this, you know, just being a person they can talk to who also understands the entrepreneur journey. For sure. What's the, the best advice or, or a gem a mentor has, has imparted to you? I've gotten so many gems from mentors. Um, I think one was a practice, the practice of reverse engineering. I wasn't doing that enough. And one of my mentors, Julian Gordon, actually um, taught me how to reverse engineer stuff because as a Gemini, you get caught up in the process. You get caught up in the excitement, but you don't think about, okay, this is the end goal. And how do I work from this end goal back to the actions I need to take to reach that end goal? You just think about, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, (laughs) I'm going to do this. And then what's it going to get me though? And so the practice of reverse engineering, everything has been critical to the work that I do. Um, with my cut finance. And I learned that from one of my mentors, Julian Gordon. Oh, and another thing he told me, and he was like, don't be out here looking successful without having success. Whoops. Because <laughs> there, are, I mean, there are a lot of people who look successful, but aren't actually successful. And it's easy to get caught up in that. And so um, that's something I, I carry with me daily. Like, does this look successful or is it making me successful? Hmm. If y'all aren't familiar, juliangordon.com. Um, those are amazing gems that he shared. I totally forgot. Natch. <laughs> Natch you up. I mean, I'm pretty confident and pretty assured and pretty focused, but even my last coaching session, he had me in tears. I was like, Julian, what am I doing? Like, he had me in tears. And sometimes you need somebody who's not afraid to, to break you down in that manner to help you piece it back together. I think a lot of people like to play nice. And what I appreciate about Julian is it's like, it's tough love, but it's not, it's not tough love to the point where it's abusive, but it's tough love to where it makes you question things and helps bring, helps bring the answers out of you. Absolutely. Um, You need people in your life who force you to come up with answers and don't allow you to come up with socially acceptable responses. And like, it just sounds good. Like that sounded cool, but what the hell is it? And that's one of the things I appreciate about him and a lot of my mentors. For sure. Keep people around you who are, who are invested in helping you grow and seeing you grow. Julian is good for that. And I totally forgot that you're a Gemini. You're probably one of the more focused Geminis that I know, though. Maybe I just don't it's, see you go through the other, the other space. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. So outside of mentors, it sounds like your parents are also really invested in, in what you're up. So have they always been so supportive? My parents are awesome, but my parents are career military. My mother and father are both career military and they didn't understand this entrepreneurship thing. My parents have always had side hustles. I can say that though. My parents have, I remember being a kid and my parents were in the military and they were stocking groceries at the, um, on base. We have a grocery store called the commissary and my parents would be stocking groceries at the commissary at 10, 10 PM or 11 p.m. after they went to work. They've always had side hustles, but I took it a step further. and was like, you know what? My side hustles have become a full-time hustle. Mm. And at first they were really nervous about it. They were nervous when I moved to New York and had the music blog. My mom was like, that don't make no sense. I, so how you gonna live? <laughs> that don't make no type of sense. But with MyFab Finance, there was just something different about MyFab Finance. And um, my mom actually was a person who gave me the courage to quit because when I was ready to resign from my job, I just got tired of them 
not forcing me to play small, but playing me small. Mm. I got tired of that. And I called her and she was like, Lee, like you got a master's degree. You have all this experience. You, you just interviewed Russell Simmons today. Like you got a black enterprise cover. Like if, if you can't do it, I don't know who can. And so, um, they've been really supportive. Now my dad is like so proud and he shares everything on his Facebook timeline. And it's been, it's really, it feels good to, um, to believe in yourself about something and tell someone you're going to do it and then see them start to believe in it because you've proven. Mm. And, um, so yeah, they're, they're really cool. My mom was with me at Essence Fest last year acting like she had, and so I was like, Mom, act like you've been somewhere. <laughs> she, she was, was really turned up at the festival. See, my mom was turned. Um, and that, my mom had been to Essence Fest so many times before. But um, because I was a speaker there, she got access to a lot of things. and got like backstage access and could walk where she wanted to and got special treatment. And just after it, she was like, you know what? Thank you. I've been here so many times, but never experienced it this way. And she was like, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I never thought my daughter would bring me here to experience it like this. And so just things like that, you know, being able to use my platform to create good, but also to create experiences for people that I care about that matter to them. She's dope, though. So Black Enterprise cover, at the time you were getting ready to resign from your job. A lot of people want clear on like what that middle space is that like that leap off the, the cliff completely. What was that? What was that time of your life like? That middle space is so confusing, you know, because. Well, Black Enterprise, actually, Black Enterprise happened in 2014. Yeah, Black Enterprise happened in 2014. I didn't resign from my job until September 2015. Mm. So I was at my job almost a year after Black Enterprise happened um, because it, it wasn't time yet. It, it wasn't time. And that's one of the things that people sometimes don't realize. Just because you see people doing well doesn't mean have, they have all the pieces together. Right. And I didn't have all the pieces together. And so that middle space was, was humbling, you know, because on one end, it's like I'm on the cover of a national publication. And then on the next end, it's like I'm taking notes and my boss is actually asking me to print out papers for an agenda meeting today. Um, and so it was a very humbling process, but it also nerve wracking. You know, you always you can prepare as much as you want for running your own business, but nothing prepares you to run your own business, like running your business. Mm. Um, There's so many things you can plan for and things happen, clients and um, opportunities you thought were locked in fall through. Um, And if you don't have multiple revenue streams set up, then you're going to be stressed out. And when you're stressed, you don't make good decisions. And so it it was just, it was a process. That middle ground is a lot of um, questioning, a lot of questioning yourself, a lot of questioning your capabilities, um, a lot of questioning whether this is the right thing for you to do, you know, you as convicted as you can be. I think you always have that voice behind, like, oh, am I doing the right thing? And mm. this is the right thing for me to be doing. Am I overconfident about this? Um, and it's a it's a roller coaster. I would say I know you you can probably <laughs> attest it's a roller coaster. And once you Girl, get it's in, two roller coasters. A uh, year <laughs> in it, it's still a roller coaster. I mean, last year I celebrated my first year. And it's still a roller coaster every day. In the morning, you wake up and be like, everything's going to be amazing. You get an email, you be like, oh, why do I even do this? I should just go drive Uber. Then, like, later that night, you go to bed, you're like, I did that today. You know, yeah. so it's just a roller coaster. It is indeed. What keeps you in it? What keeps you from getting the hell off this roller coaster? The freedom. I enjoy the freedom of making my own schedule. Um, 
the lives that I touch, the work that I'm doing, like feeling good about the work that I'm doing. Like I feel really good. I don't compromise myself in doing this work. Um, and it allows me to own my power. And maybe that's just me being power hungry in regards to my own power, but I don't think that it's anything I should be apologetic about when it comes to my own power. And it does allow me to do that. Um, the flexibility is just unreal and being valued. Like you will always value yourself. Yeah. That's not always true about a company you may work for, even though you bring incredible value to the table, they may not value you the way you deserve. And so knowing that I'm being valued in what I do. Yeah. I love that you speak about power and helping other people own this. How do you define power in 2017? Oh, power in 2017 is changing, right? <sighs> it's, it's changing because I mean, the political forces at play. Um, but I would say that in 2017, it's like having the ability to make decisions about what you want in your life and what you don't want in your life at the end of the day. That's power at its basic level is being able to decide how, to, how you live your life um, and being empowered to do so. So mm-hmm. having the means to do so. Because you can say, you know what, I want to live rent free. And <laughs> like that, you're exercising that power, but in the same sense, it has other repercussions. And so... Um, exercising your power, but being empowered to do so and live how you want to. Yeah. And there's, there's steps to take in doing that. And I, for some, it's like when I'm getting this idea off the ground, the hardest part is to start. So what's your process for taking an idea to execution? Uh, an idea to execution. I mean, I'm a writer. Uh, I write everything out. I write everything out in detail. Um, and so First, putting it on paper, that for me makes it real. Putting it on paper, brain dumping, figuring out like all the elements of it. And then then I get into the reverse engineering process. So if I have an idea, what do I want to happen as a result of that idea? Going to the end result of the idea and then working backwards. So for example, if I'm creating a course or like the Banish the Balance Challenge, which is a challenge we did to help 5,000 people eliminate a quarter million dollars of debt in 60 days. So with that, it was like, I want people to eliminate debt. How, what are the steps and processes necessary to get people to that point mm-hmm. um, and reversing it from there? So usually that's what it starts with the idea, then the outcome, working from the outcome back to the original idea. Mm. And you're serving community all the time when you're doing it. I've, one of my favorite things about the way you work is how you've amassed this like army of people <laughs> who would normally be terrified about finance, but they are so leaned in. What's, what's your secret to, to cultivating community and keeping them engaged? Yeah. Authenticity, transparency about my own imperfections, my own journey. Like I'm not, I'm not a CFP. I'm not um, a financial advisor or anyone. I didn't get a finance degree in school. I figured this all out of myself and I'm a normal person just like you who hated math <laughs> and figured it out. So you can too. And a lot of it is empowering people to realize that you don't have to be Albert Einstein or, you know, a genius in order to manage your finances properly. You just need to implement a few better habits um, and have an understanding of how to protect your money from you in certain circumstances. Um, so just realize you don't need, you don't have to be special. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be committed. And I think that resonates with a lot of people because once you tell people you don't have to be perfect, you can just come in here and just start doing what, do what you can towards your ultimate goal, that's more motivating than someone thinking they have to be perfect when they show up. Yeah. Um, and creating support. Like the community, it's, it's growing and, and just creating a supportive community of other people who look like you, who are doing the things you wanted to do or want to do or are doing. Mm. Yeah, that vulnerability of just showing up as yourself and seeing other people doing, doing the same thing. 
So yeah. we talked about this roller coaster, this some days triple roller coaster. Um, how do you maintain yourself a- along the way? What's what's a day in the life of Tanya like? I know they all look different, but they all look different. Yeah. Like today started out having like two calls that I didn't plan for. A lot of times I try to plan my day ahead. Um, but today started out with two calls. I was like, oh, okay, we're just going to do these calls this morning. Um, but usually I do try to start with some type of spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, this move has got me a little off my game usually, but, you know, waking up, stretching, just grounding. Even if I take a minute or two minutes to just ground, I usually try to do a 15-minute practice. But um, just grounding in the moment, grounding in the day, meditating, um, and having conversations with God about like, this is what I want to happen today. Grounding in the belief that something amazing is going to happen that day and then getting to work. And every workday looks different. Some days I'm planning speeches. Some days I'm doing a, a talk. Um, other days I'm planning. And like right now I'm in the process of just gutting out my entire email sequence and strategy and writing content for that. So I'm writing a lot these past couple of days and building in um, self-care throughout the day. Yes. So if I need to take a nap, I'm going to go take a nap. Um, and building in self-care throughout my day so that I give my time to rejuvenate because it's easy to tap out. And you're like, I have nothing else. <laughs> I have nothing else to give. And so really making sure I check myself along the way and allow myself to rest throughout the day. But um, I'm trying to be better. That's one of my goals for this year is not to work as much hmm. um, because I can work from 7 a.m. to 12 a.m. Just in it. In it. And so I'm trying not to work as much and also trying to take more days off. So that's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned naps. So I'm a huge fan of naps as an adult. Yo. Aren't they the best thing ever? It is. You wake up ready for for action. I wish I could redeem all of my naps from childhood because I I would not nap. I would not nap and I want them all now. So so (laughs) you're balancing your time across all these different things on a day to day. How do you decide now what you say no and what you say yes to? Mm, That's a good question. (sighs) Sometimes I'm better about saying no than others. Mm. I can say that. Sometimes I am better about saying no. Um, usually it's an intention. Like you can't, I can't put anything else in this cup. Stuff has to go. I have to turn everything down. Um, a lot of times it's off of feel mm-hmm. and how I feel. And so it's one of those things where if it's a project, if I feel like it's going to help someone else's goal or they have a clear idea or clear understanding of where they want to go with it, I'll lend my time to it. But then also if I feel like they need to flush it out a little more, if it's just not the right opportunity for me, I don't feel bad about saying no. Yeah. Because you have to protect your time. You have to protect your capacity. Yeah. So, so you're not up for those, can I pick your brain conversations? It depends. <laughs> so one of the things I try to do is at least um, one or two pick my brain sessions a month, just like out of GP, because I know how much they helped me when I was getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not one of the people who's adverse to it. But also, if, if it looks like it's going to be really involved, then I'll say, hey, here. Or I can also tell the energy. I can feel someone's energy when they're coming. And I could be like, this is going to be a lot more than I bargained for. Right. Here's my scheduling link. Or if some people, it's just a matter of like, can you connect me with someone who can help me with this resource? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I operate off the mantra of like, do right and treat people well. And so sometimes treating people well might mean taking a little bit more of my time, but I might have to get better about that. You know, a, a lot of my peers are like, no, you should be charging for all of that. And so on, so on, so on. <laughs> but I feel like the people who support me, put me where I am and in this position to be able to live the way that I live. So 
I'm going to do what I can, especially if it's not compromising my output and my workload. And the payback's not always a monetary thing. You know, it's not. sometimes it's payment not. comes in seeing somebody flourish and apply what you shared with them. Yeah. Um, you got to treat people how you want others to treat you. You know, there are going to be other people who you want, you know, like I've definitely tapped and reach out to you and be like, Holly, I need help with this. So and so and so. And you just like help me so much. It's like, so why not pay that forward? Why not pay that forward? Because there will become a time where I am going to reach out to somebody else and, and need them to assist me with something. So continue to pay it forward and reciprocity is real. Yeah. And so you, you get what you give. And so um, it's not always monetary though. Hmm. Absolutely. So I know you've had, you've seen a ton of successes in the work and oftentimes people don't get to see the moments where you're struggling beneath the hood or, or things are challenging. So what have been some of the failures or, or mistakes that you've learned the most from? Mm. I mean, early on when I, my first month going into business for myself, I had a client um, and they were a riskier client, um, but I took them on to provide financial education to their population and they underwent a PR SHIT storm mm. <laughs> like that first month in and I had to walk away from that relationship. And that one contract had replaced my entire year's salary. Um, so that was a substantial financial loss early on and I had to re-strategize and go back to the drawing board to figure out how I was going to conduct my business and um, meet my bottom line. And so that was, I, I was sick. Like I was in the hospital having stomach pains, thought I had cancer, like was developing an ulcer off of that. Um, and that was first month in business for myself. So that was troubling. Um, also just in my industry, understanding the ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. So whether it's public speaking or personal finance, November and December are notoriously low. People want to spend money around the holiday season. They don't want to talk about like saving money and everything else. And so those are notoriously slow. So I'm coming off of a slow season. And right now what I'm working to do is figuring out how I can build, um, my revenue streams and my model up so that that doesn't happen next year. So that November, December aren't aren't slow months and that we carry on and we plan for it um, better this go around. And so that is a struggle. I mean, I think every day it's like, it's a self thought, self doubt, personal finance, you know, it's not as sexy as fashion or beauty and so forth. So I have to deal with sometimes myself, like I'm actually out here helping people change their lives and don't necessarily get the acclaim of like people who post lipstick videos or lipstick swatches <laughs> on Instagram. Five like, million views. Like create a legacy and like you out here worried about lipstick, you know? And it's just like, so sometimes that's frustrating. Um, and sometimes you feel like people don't appreciate the work, but I made the intention that the love would come back to me. All the love that I put out there would come back to me. And I've been feeling so rewarded doing this work and so many people have been so thankful and so much gratitude um, has been extended my way. So that's, that's changing. That tide is changing, but it also changed when I changed how I approach my work. Mm. And so now that I've changed how I approach my work, the love is, is just flowing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, and then sometimes feeling confused, like doing my sales funnels last night in full transparency. I was like, bruh, this is so <laughs> much. I was so, um, it's a lot sometimes, especially, um, when there's so many different pieces. And so last night, you know, that was frustrating. And then growing, the last thing I will say is growing. Cause a lot of people say that as soon as you can afford to hire someone to do something, you don't want to do hire them to do it, which is great. But sometimes you hire them out of a, a high. So you're coming off of a good month, but you're not hiring them from that low month, but they still had to get paid regardless of what your revenue was. Hmm. And so now I have people that I pay monthly that re- depend on me to pay them. 
So it's not just about Tanya's bottom line anymore. It's about my graphic designer who's on retainer's bottom line. It's about my assistant who has children, her bottom line. And so now I'm responsible for other people. And um, that can be stressful in itself too. Once you go from just paying yourself to paying others, it becomes stressful. And it's not just about making your good month anymore. It's about making a month so that you can pay your, your team and so that you can achieve your goals. Yeah. So everybody eats. So I'm, I'm curious to know, and I want to hear about this from the work angle and just life, right? How do you choose who you bring on board to your team? And as you're growing and soaring as this woman who's killing it in finance, how do you find your tribe? So you got people around you who belong around you. Yeah. One of the most valuable things I've learned in hiring people is um, you can't hire people who want to be you. Mm. Like, that's a very valuable lesson and not necessarily you, but it's very like a lot of people are building their own brands and they are looking for side work so they can continue to build their own brand, which is great. But sometimes that comes at the expense of the work that they're doing for you. Um, so early on, I was just happy to, you know, if the person was nice, I would bring them on. I'd be like, oh, she's nice. <laughs> she has a clean social media profile. Like I, I think we can work. Um, but also realizing like what I need from people and, um, people, there are certain people who work with you out of necessity and work with you out of like, this is what their passion is. So I've become better at learning to hire people who are passionate about the work that I need them to do. And not necessarily people who need to fill a need, um, or feel a financial need. So they're willing to do the work that you want them to do. Right. Um, that's really critical, especially if you're a freelancer or work independently or a solopreneur looking for support in your business. Um, because it, it gets frustrating. It can be frustrating when you have an assistant who they're supposed to be delivering something to you and you get on social media and they promote their upcoming webinar. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> like what happened? What happened to that email you're supposed to send out a couple of minutes ago? Right. We um, had a plan. Yeah. So that's important. And I think that you never really know someone until you start working with them though. You never really know. You never really know what they're going to be and how it's going to turn out until you start and things change. Someone can be amazing from the start because it fits into their life and then things in their life evolve and change and it no longer fits your situation. And you have to be able to have those conversations. Um, but uh, the, your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm-hmm. It really does. And you'll start to attract people who align with the work that you're doing. When you're not working, how do you fill your cup? Music. Yeah. I love music. I, I love music. I still say like... If there's a way I could be a financial DJ, <laughs> I would. <laughs> um, I love music. Um, so usually um, listening to something. Um, a lot of travel. Um, me and my husband like to travel. Yeah. Um, and so planning a trip or planning, even if it's a weekend excursion or something to get away with, away for um, gives me a lot of joy. And catching up. I, I get a lot of joy in catching up because with the work, you know, you can get – you get into work mode and tunnel vision mode. And so being actually being able to set aside time to just catch up with my friends, catch up with my family, people who matter to me, it fills me because it it also reminds you of who you are outside of that work. Like there will always be people who remember who you were before then. And are just like, well, you, you Tanya who moved to New York with the music blog to me, who sat behind me in marketing class and in high school. And that's who you always be to me. Yeah. And um, there's something filling about that because it just allows you to be who you were before any of this happened. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are some of the things I like to do. People who knew you before before the glow up. Some of my closest friends are my, my homies from seventh grade. 
your pre-glow yeah. <laughs> pre-glow up friends and that's a that's a beauty about um like like family and friends and so forth this is like they will always see you as who you are mm. um especially if it's a healthy relationship you know because some people use that to shame you or you ain't no better and it's you know some people use it negatively right. but the people who genuinely love you and just like you can just have you can just laugh about girl remember when we did this or remember when we did that um those are really valuable relationships to have. And I, I encourage everyone to maintain them. Uh-huh. They, they have value. You, we see a lot of that. Well, you are like the five people you hang out with the most. And, you know, you got to be in a room with people who inspire you to be better. And yeah, that's true too. But there's something to be said about the relationships that you had before you started this journey and what that allows you to feel in your life. Absolutely. I want, I want to go back to this Tanya playlist because I want to, these, these music supervisor dreams. What's in rotation for you right now? Oh, um, in rotation. Yeah. So Big Sean Bounce Back. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that song. Uh, particularly, I woke up in beast mode, um, that line. Um, <laughs> that one, um, always Beyonce upgrade you. That's my forever song. You could put that on. I, I would drop everything. On any playlist? <laughs> any playlist i don't care i don't care if it's a shy day playlist you put on <laughs> gonna say upgrade you like this fits this this fits here um anderson pack we've been listening to a lot of anderson pack the entire malibu album um is is golden no worries that project i'm a really big fan of that um classic hip-hop equimini will always be my favorite hip-hop album of all time what else? And of course, J. Cole, because he's from North Carolina. But I'm more, um, Forest Hills Drive is still my jam. So I listen to a lot of J. Cole. Nice Watch in particular is one of my favorite tracks. Um, it's a blend. So also yeah. Travis Scott, I'm from the South. And so I do trap music rather well. So um, <laughs> the, the recent Migos album is, is a heavy rotation here around the house. Childish Gambino's recent project Excellent. is heavy rotation. Um, it has just a nice funk soul vibe something different from him and i've had him that past three projects and it's just very different it's nice to see him progress um so yeah and then classic soul you know there, there are some times where i just want to listen to donny hathaway or uh i will put on marvin gay or some tina marie or you know it just it ranges on my on the feeling but really just it's, it's eclectic i guess yeah. you could say that because it could go from trap to to Green Day. Yeah, I'm into that. We gonna have yeah, we gonna have people grooving on on this one. You got a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, and 311. I actually love 311. That's one of my favorite groups too. So Amber, um, Amber is one of my favorite songs. So just it just depends. Yeah, we might see you see your name on some film credits at some point. <laughs> I'm gonna start looking so at my, shows now for your name to pop name, up. My husband, um, he's a video. Um, he does. He's done music videos, and he did the Kendrick Lamar Rigor Mortis video. And I always get on him because I was like, I didn't get my producer credit on that video. Like <laughs> I could have got my end because I um, connected him with like the trumpet player they used in it. Um, but we, you never know. I'm so, I'm still looking for ways. One of my good friends is uh, Talib Kweli's DJ, and he's a well known DJ here. And he's like, let's get this music mixtape popping. And so I'm still looking at ways to blend financial education and music. I might next, you know, next year, my speaking engagements, I might have a traveling DJ with me. Listen. And it's, it's an interactive um, presentation 
with music and financial education. So. Turn up the whole spot. I remember one of your, your first presentations you shared with me that was music incorporated into it. Some I'm some to songs. Out how to make it happen? Yeah. There's always always the way to blend those passions into one thing. Um, so last thing I want to talk to you about is is word association. So we always close out every episode. I've got a few words I want to give you, and you tell me the first set of words that come to mind before we close out. You ready? Okay. First word is time. Management. Success. Intentional. Money. Freedom. Partnership. Strategy. Failure. Lessons. Family. Love. Past. Passion. Present. Optimism. Future. Uncertain. Legacy. Strong. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> I love that That was one. fun. Before we close, how do people find you on, on the interwebs? Your, your social game is so strong. Um, yeah, so I'm uniformly branded on all social media platforms as MyFab Finance. So you can find me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, everywhere. Just type in MyFab Finance and all of that will come up. Um, my website, MyFab Finance, the landing page has so many different resources and ways to connect with me, including joining our free Facebook community, which has over 5,100 members in it now. If you need support with your financial goals, or you just want to see what we're about and see how I communicate with my audience. So MyFab Finance everywhere. And I look forward to connecting. Boom. Tanya Rapley, ladies and gents. Thank you for stopping by to tell me about yourself podcast. Y'all stay tuned for the playlist. <laughs>